This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge, and we're inviting you to take it with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most. Because the truth is, your purchasing power matters now more than ever. Head to shop1in5.com to take the pledge. Make that commitment to shop one in five of your purchases towards a small business. We also invite you to shop the directory if you don't know where to find other small businesses. It's right there on the page. And we're asking for you to share the pledge. Imagine if each of us told three to four people about the Shop One in Five pledge. It would be an incredible and life-changing for so many small businesses. Tell your friends, your family, and your social network. It costs nothing extra and makes a world of difference. Our purchases have the ability to change lives. Okay, let's jump in. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlosita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my awesome co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sita. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So we have a very special episode for you today. We are so excited to welcome a guest. It is Jed Gold, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Archive. And Archive is a service that solves the problem for parents of what to do with all the art their kids create. Am I right, Mina? We don't even know. We have like... I didn't. I'm, I can't even wrap my mind around it. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been storing our kids art forever, and I've actually uh-huh. known Archive for a long time um, and and want to be. I'm going to I subscribe when we're done with this podcast. Mm-hmm. So it started as an app. It took six years of entrepreneurial grinding and working side jobs and pivoting to find a market fit before lightning, lightning actually struck in November of 2018 with a video that went viral. So this resulted in sales that led to being listed in the top 300 of the 2020 Inc. 5,000 fastest growing private companies in America. So we are honored to have you um, on the podcast, Jed. So welcome to the Product Boss Podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. Pleasure to be here and excited to, uh, to chat with you today. Thank you. So, okay, this is a huge problem. So I'd love to, since we're talking to product bosses and other entrepreneurs, and they've all thought about whether they had a talent and they created a product versus you saw a problem in the market to create something for. So would you mind kind of giving us a little bit of the origin of Archive? Of, of course. So it was actually, as I think a lot of products start, it was solving a problem that I was actually facing. So I came home one night and my wife was taking pictures of our kids' artwork. So we, at the time, had two girls. They were three and six. Art was absolutely everywhere. Clutter coming out of drawers, on the fridge, right? Like so many families can relate to. Um, And I said, hey, what are you doing? She said, I'm tired of all this mess. I'm going to make some books of the kids' artwork so I can get rid of it. So 
I was watching her do this process and she was taking pictures with her camera, like a, one of the, a point and shoot camera. And I thought to myself, you're taking pictures with the camera and then you got to get it from a camera to a computer, a computer to a website. It's going to be out of order. You're not going to remember who did what. You're busy. Let's be honest. This is like a fantastic idea, but these books are never actually getting made. I guarantee you somebody has solved this problem. This is such an obvious app. I will go upstairs and I will find you an app to use. And so I went up and I started looking and I couldn't find anything in the app store. And so I said, you know what? I think I might want to build this. So I sent an email to a few moms that were, that were friends and said, if this existed, would you use it? The response was obviously overwhelming, overwhelmingly positive. And, um, and so literally over the next three weeks, I uh, raised a small family and friends round of funding, about $50,000. I incorporated, I wireframed out what would be sort of the first version of the app. And I hired a designer to start designing my wireframes, uh, then hired a, a developer and started building Archive. And it was so, candidly, at the time, it was sort of meant to be a side thing while I sold my previous company. I was looking for something else to do. I sort of wanted to get into the app space and thought this is sort of a, a good opportunity. I'll just put it up and I'll see what happens. And if I can get 5,000 people to use it that like aren't, you know, it's sort of the first handful of, you know, hundreds of people are probably in your inner circle, right? Or like one step connected to you. Once you sort of get into like the thousands of people using it, you've got others that are starting to like, you know, to, to validate what you're building. And so that was my goal was, you know, we launched right around back to school 2012. And I thought if I can get five, 10,000 people to use this thing, that would be incredible. Uh, and so put it in the app store and five days later, we were on the Today Show and it literally was sort of like bananas from there. So we got like 10,000 users in the first week of the app. And suddenly we were being approached and we had people who wanted to invest. And so that was really the, the beginnings of, of Archive. It was crazy. I mean, that is amazing. You make it sound so easy. I wireframe the software and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what is your background, Jed, that you even knew what to do? So I, I had sort of worked in a number of different roles. So I'd, I always sort of knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, but felt like I needed to create some of the, the building blocks to increase the likelihood of me being successful. So I spent some years in sales. I spent some years in marketing. I spent some years in, in sort of like tech product development. I got my MBA. I was, I, I was very systematically building the building blocks, you know, putting the building blocks in place to be able to go do something. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something. And when uh, the whole world started sort of really pivoting towards the, the tech space, I thought, this is an area where I kind of want to focus. And so in 2000, uh, in 2008, uh, I started a gaming company, which I ended up selling in 2011. So to be fair, I came to this with zero technical knowledge. I, to this day, I can't program a line of code and it's almost embarrassing. My, my kids know more about programming than I do, but I did have a sense of how to design a product and how to wireframe and how to sort of get the thoughts in my head of, of user experience onto paper, which allowed us to then to go from there. Yeah. And now you're a product business owner, which is, I'm sure for a lot of product people in our audience, we never imagined where this journey would take us. So I love that, you know, your path just led you where it needed to lead you. And now you have a product, right? A physical product, because 
um, can you get deeper into your story of what yeah. happened after the initial, you know, 10,000 people on your, you know, on the Today Show? What happened then? Right. That all sounds very sexy. And actually, the reality was it was sort of terrible because so what I would tell what I tell people who are sort of going to the app world, getting an app into the app store it is an accomplishment, but it's literally actually like getting you to the starting line. And all that work you do puts you at the beginning. And then you have people starting to use your app. And now you got to figure out, well, how are they using it? What do they want? What do you have to build? Does it scale, et cetera? And so that was really, you know, I spent, uh, I'll share with you, I think I spent about $25,000 to get the app designed and built, which at the time felt like a lot of money. I think today it's actually probably a very reasonable number if you can get something that's a good product as the app store for that note, for that amount. Um, in the ensuing couple of years, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just trying to keep up and improve the app to handle the users and to design the functionality, et cetera. Um, so we ended up... so. Apple started featuring us in the app store, which was amazing. So we got, I don't know how it happened. I still don't know anybody there. I have no contacts, but somebody was sort of looking over us and thought we were a great application because literally basically every single day for four years, we were featured somewhere in the app store. So whether it was in the best apps for products, you know, best products or best app for parents or lifestyle or best new app or app of the day, like we had a ton of features, which really helped because we didn't have to invest in marketing because we had a sort of an organic flow of, of users, um, which candidly is what saved our business because we weren't really making any money. The, the model was, and my assumption was, everybody who uploads their kids' stuff all throughout the year will hit the print button and buy a book. Not, not everybody, but I assume 90% of people who spent their time uploading their kids' art would buy a book. So that was our model, free storage, pay for books. Um, it turned out I was literally 100% wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. Like, it was the exact opposite of what I expected. So almost everybody just wanted to know that their stuff was safely stored and never got around to actually buying books, which is fine unless your model is based around selling books, in which case you have no model, you have no revenue, you have no business, and you basically just have this app that, yeah, a bunch of people like, but is doing absolutely nothing for you from a business perspective. And that was us. And it, and it costs money to for customer service and for app development and just to keep the thing up and running and for Amazon storage, et cetera, et cetera. So we had real costs and we were, and while we had raised a little bit of money, it wasn't money that would last in perpetuity. And we had, weren't generating enough. I mean, we're literally generating, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, which is nothing when you're talking about the infrastructure necessary to run a business like this. Um, and so there were, Candidly, there were so many times where we thought about closing the business down, but but really, like the people who had invested and sort of our inner circle were like, "What are you guys doing?" Like at this point, cut, cut bait. It's time. Like this thing is not making money for you. You got to get out. So, um, and we and we thought about it, but the reality was, it we felt that it wasn't. And my my I keep saying we, but it was my partner Jeff, who also happens to be my cousin. So we do have a, this is sort of a family business. Um, Jeff and I felt like it wasn't that there was no opportunity in the market. It wasn't that there was no business to be had. It was that we hadn't figured it out, that there, this was a valuable service. It's just, 
whatever we were doing, like we hadn't figured out where the, the real financial opportunity was. And so we took a hard look at what we were at what we were offering and said, maybe it's we're offering the wrong thing. Right. And so we had we had about a hundred thousand people who had downloaded the app, created accounts, but then never uploaded any artwork. And so we thought, what's happening to those people? And and most of these users, we are moms. And so we you know, like moms are busy and they're doing a million things and juggling. And so it, and it takes time to to do this, right? So if you're gonna take that that box of art that you've got and you've got a hundred or two hundred pieces of art, and you're going to sit there and individually take pictures. This is a time-consuming task, and people just weren't getting around to it. And so we thought, what if we offered them the opportunity for us to photograph it for them? So we said, "Hey, send us your art. Here's our address. Send us your art. We will professionally photograph it for you, and we'll load it into your account, and then you can make a book. Super easy." Um, and we didn't get it. And that was in 2017. So we've been doing this now for five years, really sort of struggling. Um, and it wasn't that, um, it wasn't that we got a ton of users, but the people that we, that did do it, we saw were willing to spend real money to have it done for them. So in 2018, what we did sort of at the end of 2017, early 2018, what we decided to do was productize that offering. And that's really sort of where this, this comes into like sort of the fun, more fun part of the story, because I know the app part sounded fun, but it actually wasn't very fun. We productized that. And so, so we created this, the archive box where we literally said, we're going to take out all the friction from this, from this process. We're literally going to send you a box. Inside the box are going to be instructions for how to get your stuff organized and a return label to send it back to us put your kid's art inside, send it back. We will then do all the work, professionally photograph the art, edit the images, lay out the book, send you a link. All you have to do is approve the book and we will print it and ship it. And so we created a video in late 2018 and, and beginning of sort of the first half of 2018, we saw like a little bit of a pickup in sales and definitely like it was getting, it was trending the right way, but still, you know, very, very little revenue. Um, and so what we ultimately did was we said, you know what, we're going to give us one more chance before we shut the company down because it's still not a business. We're still not really paying ourselves. This still isn't enough. Let's give it one really good shot at a marketing, at a marketing push. And we had tested Facebook ads and Instagram and, and never had any real success and couldn't acquire customers efficiently. And we're really struggling. But again, it was like, we're doing something wrong because this should work. And so we thought, let's hire an agency, create a video have some like professional media buyers, like do this properly. And let's see if we can just give it like one final, final shot. And if it doesn't work, we're out, we're done. Mm -hmm. um, and so we put up a video and that video, and we had been selling out ballpark, like let's call it like eight to 10 boxes a, a day. Okay. So not a ton, but nothing. Our USPS guy, uh, USPS guy, Joel, he would come and he'd like pick up the boxes and it was like, you know, eight boxes was a lot to carry, but it was like, he could carry it out by himself. He'd pick up some by the office. We were subletting this like little space, you know, it was a small handful of us, um, you know, six, seven people. And we were providing this service and we put the video up and literally from that day on the, it, the video went viral. It was absolutely crazy. Um, and we started selling more boxes every day than we've been selling every month. Amazing. I mean, you 
throughout that story, it sounds like you were always trying to tap into, you knew the problem was there because you validated it throughout the whole time, right? It was just how you wanted to provide the solution to your customer. And it was like, first time it was like, oh, we'll solve their problem by giving them a software. As a mom, I would say, no, that definitely would not work. <laughs> and then the second time was, okay, send the box and then we'll send you... um wasn't the book at that time. The second time was send us your stuff and we'll send you the digital, the the photos, right? And then you pick the 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 Yeah, artwork. we'll just load like we'll just load it mm-hmm. to your account. Yeah. Right. We'll load it to your account for you. Well, that doesn't solve the problem because it's only halfway solution for moms because of the time yep. you're not solving the problem. The third iteration of it was what did it was the do it for you where they send the pictures. You do everything. You do the photos. You send them the book. So they only have to send. Plus, you also educated them because they actually didn't know. The first next step was actually I don't know how to put my stuff in this box. Right. That was the initial obstacle. The initial hurdle was Hmm, gather up my, <laughs> gather up my photos. What does this mean? You know? So I love that because it just showed that you pivoted to whatever the market was telling you, but it took more than one iteration. Sometimes, um, entrepreneurs will quit because they're so bonded to the idea of doing it one way and that they're not listening to their market. So good for you for doing it. And now that, um, that video, can you tell us a little bit more about the video? Because it's a, it's an educational video of what they need to do, right? The video is actually, it just, it's a pretty simple explainer video. That mm, It's essentially like you video. see all this art piling up on a table and it's basically like turn all this, which is like kind of a mess, like turn all this art into this, right? It's very yeah. simple. So you like in a sort of a snap, you see big pile of mess and then super clean single book. Um, and it was, yeah, order a box, we'll send it to you. You fill your kids art, send it back and you'll let us be your child's first publisher. And, um, and yeah, so literally it was like USPS was suddenly sending nine ton trucks to pick up the amount of boxes that we were selling. We were hiring anybody with like a heartbeat for a little bit there. Like if you had two hands and a heartbeat, we like need, we were like pulling people off the street. Yes. Um, so it was actually, uh, I'll, I'll segue for a quick second. I, I love the story. Um, so when we first started the, offering the service and we needed somebody to photograph the art, um, there was a, right across from the office that we were subletting, there was a school. And so we hired a mom from the school, from one of the, one of the parents at this school, who would just drop her kid off in the morning and she'd come across the street and she would come upstairs and she'd photograph whatever art had come in. And then she'd leave and it sort of like worked perfectly with her schedule and it was great. And then we started getting a little busier and she brought in another mom from one of her friends from the school. And then we got a little busier and they brought in another mom. And so all of the first employees of the company were these moms who had kids at the school across the street. So when the company then totally took off and we were hiring like crazy, I mean, we literally hired a hundred people in 12 months. And so you think about like scaling that quickly and building that much infrastructure, it's not super easy. But what we really did was we basically took all these moms who had originally been with us, which were the first people in and made them like the heads of the different departments. And so the team, like our management team are like primarily made primarily of these moms who had come with us, come right from the beginning and had been with us um, who I don't think ever actually thought this was going to be anything more than like 
a very part-time, convenient, you know, four to six hour a day type of thing. And suddenly we're putting like, hey, like you need to go build a team of 40 under you. Um, so it's been really fun to like sort of grow this business with people that I would say like at this point, like are almost like family to us. That's incredible. And, you know, I think the point that we want to get across to everyone is just is paying attention to what your customer actually wants, right? So you, you, it took you a longer time to figure it out, but it was like, what were they willing to actually exchange dollars for? What do they want to actually buy? Because they wanted the solution. They just weren't willing to give up their money for it. Now, I mean, it's, it's now it's like, yes, you know, why wouldn't I do this other than keep all the stuff in a box and it goes nowhere? You know, I mean, if you could figure out who could come to my computer and organize my photos on my desktop, that would be awesome because <laughs> that's another pain point. An- another hot mess. <laughs> this is coming I, from I, someone who I asked me. That she just asked me the other day, where is the cloud? <laughs> no, I was just like, I was like, it all comes to the cloud, but where is this cloud? And I don't print anything and I don't do anything. I want someone to make books of my whole life for me. So starting with my kids' art would be uh, fantastic. But yeah, and I think that's the the understanding here. And what I think is really cool too, because we're talking about how you and your partner basically thought, how do we tailor this to what the customer needs, which are parents? And what are they willing to pay for? But then as you've built your team, you brought in people that would be your customers as well, right? So the company culture is an understanding versus a bunch of like young kids out of college that might, and maybe they do work for you, but what would they know about parents wanting to conserve their kids' kids art? So also the culture that you've built within your company and that there are other moms and moms for moms and parents, because moms are making probably most of the decisions um, for the household in that way, um, just sounds incredible. Did you have plans like, I mean, you've built businesses. So were you comfortable in building a business with this? How many employees do you have now? We're right around a hundred. Okay. Did you, cause one of the biggest, here's a, here's a thing to ask. Actually, I think that might be helpful. We have a lot of solopreneurs, right? They're small business owners are operating from their house and they, they're the <clears> bottleneck. <throat> they end up being their bottleneck yeah. and they're like, who's my first hire. It's so scary for them. One, because they're barely paying themselves. They're, when you have product, the money has to go back into the business and they don't know who that first hire is. Like, do you, what would you say um, to them that are like worried about hiring who their first hire is and the fact that you have a hundred employees now? Yeah. So I would say a couple of things. One, the having a partner, and I think, I mean, you two are a great example, right? It's sort of like partners in crime on this. Having somebody else in it with you as you build is so valuable. I cannot stress that enough. Um, not only because you just need other people to help carry the load, but as an entrepreneur, like you have your days where you're like super motivated and all in and you have your days when it's like kind of draining and scary and lonely and you're not feeling that way necessarily. And so having somebody else who can carry, who can help drive things forward when you're not feeling it is really valuable. Um, also just being able to like bounce ideas around with another person is so valuable because you don't, you can like stress test a little bit and there's some pushback on, on decisions that are being made. Um, I also think that people don't realize the the value and opportunity cost of their time all the time, always. And so it might seem like you should be doing this yourself, but how much more successful would you be if you brought in other people and you made that investment and then it would free you up to focus in other areas that actually might help you grow a lot more than being in the weeds of helping process orders or packaging or shipping or customer service or whatever it is. And listen, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself 
you know, I have like lived in the customer service inbox. There was when we first started, um, in, when things started going crazy in like late 2018, early 2019, and we were getting inundated with orders and customer service was blowing up. We didn't have a team at like in the beginning, right? There was no customer service. It was like one person. So I was, and I didn't want people having to wait forever to get responses. So I was literally in the customer service box until, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, every single night. And I'm responding, but I didn't want people to think that we were a really small company. So I, I would respond with different names. So I was like, some days I was like Daniel and some days I was Kate and some days I was Sarah. And like, literally it was like a whole team of customer service people, but actually it was like me sitting there <laughs> responding to emails. Um, but, but ultimately, and, and my partner, Jeff has been amazing at this at, throughout periods of time when I have found myself getting in the weeds of stuff. He's like, your time, you, you are too valuable to the company to be focused on what you're focusing on. Not that it's not important, but like, I need, I need to free you up to be able to like, think bigger, think about new products, think about new services, new, you know, develop new strategic relationships, et cetera. And so, um, so yeah, I think, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking about, you've got a business, it's sort of like, don't underestimate the value of, of your time and your brain power. And if you can get yourself away from some of the, the more menial tasks that maybe don't require you, um, even though it's money that you don't really have to spend all, all the time, chances are you're going to grow your business bigger and faster by, by getting out of those weeds. For sure. And I think that you had mentioned that your first hire was the woman taking the photos of the artwork, right? Yeah. And so in that case, a lot of our solopreneurs, their first hires are going to be um, operations. In your case, it was like a maker in a maker. Otherwise, you would be making th- – that's part of production, right? Making the the physical book that's the photo taking. So it's either shipping, like you said, so operations, shipping, inventory, you know, um, uh, production, and then also customer service. Because customer service is a way, I love that Jeff stepped in because lots of times we don't think about that buffer that has to happen of hiring somebody because you're protecting your mindset at that time because your mind cannot be you know, answering all these customers, but being thinking about the business and visioning too. So you actually needed to hire in order to get the company to where it is now, for sure. No right? question. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I'm curious, just because we don't actually have a lot of partnerships on here, on other duos, do you have specific roles of you and Jeff or is it you're both, you know... No, like how, very, how does... very specific roles. Actually, <laughs> um, tell us so, more. Right. It, so yeah, no, and, and it's it's been amazing because we really complement each other's skills and and don't. There's not a ton of overlap. Um, so Jeff is like the most unbelievable operator ever. He's built and scaled two previous companies, had you know exits to two public companies, um, and so he's really like amazing at handling and called like the internal operations of the business uh, and making sure that we improve processes and we're optimizing efficiency and sort of working with the different team leads to, to improve profitability, et cetera. Um, and I sort of focus more on, I'll, I'll say like customer facing outward facing areas of the business. So marketing and partnerships and new products and sort of thinking about, 
you know, how do we, how do we really grow? Well, he's really making sure that we're running efficiently. Um, so especially at the size we are now, I, I cannot imagine how difficult it would be to be trying to do this by myself and, and have an eye, have a real eye on the operation side of the business while also trying to figure out how do we grow. Um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, it's important at every stage, but certainly now. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, a lot of people listening might be like, well, I don't have a partner. Do I need to go out and get a partner? Please don't, don't. need to go no. out and get a partner because <laughs> you're very lucky when you find a partner because Mina and I have had partners before and those didn't work out the way our relationship has. So, but it's the idea of where your strengths are and where they're not. And so yeah. I think it's very similar. Like Mina's very good at operations. She can really see it clearly. And I'm like, oh, here's my big idea. And she's like, great. How are we going to get there? So, so I think it's that idea of like, if you're very much in that, that, visioning role or, or the idea of new products and you're that creative that if you hire and you eventually, we, I think you hire generalists until you can hire specialists. But what you'll want to do then is realize that I need someone for the ops. I need someone for operations. I need someone who could take these ideas, but then break them down and make them re- really realistic. So that's really, it's interesting how well you two have vibed as well. Um, when you came out with it, were you the idea person and you came to him and said, I've got this idea. Do you want to do it together? Is that sort of how it started? Um, no, so I I sort of got I had had the idea and then got it off the ground um, and sort of set out to build the app. I actually had gone to him a because he's my cousin and yeah. super smart and experienced and an entrepreneur. Um, and also, as I was doing a friends and family round, I was like, "Hey, do you want to throw a few dollars in?" Which he did. And at the time, he volunteered to sort of be like a sounding board and just to you know be an advisor essentially. And so at the very very beginning that was sort of the role he started out in. Um, and then when we launched and suddenly things like looked like it was like, Oh, maybe there's actually a real business around here. He had sold his previous business was looking for something else to do. And he's like, you know what, let me jump in here with you and I'll, and let's do this thing together, which I was beyond happy to, to welcome him in. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, so, you know, really it wasn't like, uh, I would say, from the scaling to where we are today doesn't happen without him getting it well, off the I, ground initially was, you know, and I think that's something for people to think about because Mina and I, uh, when we met, it's, it's, this, I mean, this is your cousin, but it's those ideas of just where you, where you are today doesn't mean that's where you're going to be a year from now or three years from now. So as everyone's sort of listening to this, it's like, just keep those opportunities open, like collaborate, meet people, ask for help where you need it. And then you never know where that relationship is going to go, where it might end up being a partnership and scale to this, you know, huge, amazing business. So um, that's, it's a really great story. And and you brought up, um, Jacqueline, you brought up a really good point, which is it it doesn't have to be a a partner is a loose term, right? Mm -hmm. So in some cases it might be like an equal partnership, but it doesn't have to be that. It's really more making sure that you're bringing people in at the appropriate times to help you know, around you to help do things that you're not necessarily great at doing and, or that are, aren't just, you know, not great uses of your time. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Jeff, I mean, I think when, when Jeff first started, it wasn't, it wasn't really an equal partnership, right? He was like, he'd come in after the fact. And so like the equity split wasn't, you know, was, was, you know, different. And as he got more involved and as, time pass, et cetera, you know, we, we close that gap. And so ultimately now, you know, yeah, now we are 
partners and co-founders and, you know, it's fantastic, but it wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting if you're, if you're out there and you've got a business that you've been working on that you should just go find somebody and give them 50% of your business. Like 100%, 100% <laughs> no. Yeah. 100% no. It's like yeah. The card, yeah. Um, um, and, and I will also just add to that real quickly. Okay. If you are going to bring somebody in from the outside, I mean, obviously I trust Jeff implicitly because he's family, but if you're bringing somebody who's not it and, and either way, candidly, um, you should bring that person in with equity that vests over time. So mm-hmm. nobody should ever step into your business and just get equity that they need to earn it by staying for, you know, do it on a four year vesting so that over time, if they're really in all in on with you, that they will earn the, their shares. But, but yeah, you don't, you don't just hand somebody a big chunk of your business. Right. You did a lot of the work to get there. I think though a lot of people are solopreneurs, but it is just like what you said, Jed, of building that support around you. Jack and I usually teach from the the buckets of scale and stabilize, scale and stabilize. It sounds like uh, you are the person that focuses on scaling and then he is the person that focuses on stabilizing. I right? love that. Because exactly right. Yeah. And then um, because just think about it, right? We hear of businesses all the time that get so many sales, but they don't have the infrastructure. They were just not stable enough to handle the growth. And this is, you know, a lot of what is his skill set, right? So you're balancing each other out. So I think even as solopreneurs, we definitely can find people that can support us in those ways. Who is the person that can support me in stabilizing this business? And who is the person that can support me in scaling this their, this business. It's oftentimes different people, right? Because it's the partnerships, the relationships, and it doesn't have to be a 50 split partner at all. It could be, you know, oftentimes we don't even see it unless we, you know, like my husband works in my other business with me, but he's the stabilizer in this scenario, you know? And so I think we just looking at the the help that you need and from that lens can be really helpful. I it's such an astute comment. Yeah, and I've never really thought about it from that perspective, but it's exactly right. Genius. That's why. Should I did I, did I enter you as genius today? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I was cringing. Yeah, her I, and was I was like cringe at her words that she gives me. Um, she dubs I'm steal- me. I'm so. stealing that. <laughs> but it, I mean, and it's it's true. So I mean, that's incredible. So what's next for Archive? Like, are you are you kind of in the stabilized but growth? Is there any new product that you guys are thinking about bringing out? I don't even know if you're allowed to tell us, but <laughs> top <out>. secret. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we are. I was, we're always looking to grow, right? And and one of the one of the luxuries, but also the challenges of, of getting to where we are now is that you sort of like need to keep growing and you need to keep filling your pipeline with new stuff and servicing more people, right. And giving them new ways to, to engage with your company. And you don't want to sort of have like a one and done thing, right. Where you want to, so like the more we, the more we build, the more we want to keep building. Um, and so there's two, I'll say there's two ways that we've, we've gone about that. One is through the introduction of our custom framed mosaic prints so um, if you go on our website, you can see where our Instagram, uh, which is at archivebox or archivebox.com, uh, you can see these like stunning custom mosaic prints. We'll take 25 pieces of artwork and we will print them, uh, you know, in a, in a mosaic and frame it uh, and send it to you. It, it, it's amazing. It's a beautiful product and we've got an incredible response to that. And then the second thing that we've done is so... 
we talked to, I talked about like, you never know how someone's going to use your product, right? Or your app. So when we first launched the app, you, like, you don't know what they're going to, what they're going to load, you know, what they're going to do. You always sort of have to move sort of pivot and sort of look and figure out like, what's, what's the world saying? What's the, what's your audience saying? Well, the same thing is true with the archive box. Yeah. We get like primarily kids artwork, but what we saw was that a lot of parents were sending in things that were not kids artwork in the boxes and using our service for other memorabilia. So, you know, whether that was like letters or cards or old clothing or trophies and awards, uh, all sorts of stuff, candidly. Um, we actually had like, we, <laughs> I can only we, were imagine. Si- <laughs> we were sitting in the office and I literally hear one of our photographers like shriek. <laughs> and so I go like running over to see like what's happening and sitting on her photo station, she had like, in this, poured out this envelope, and it was teeth. Oh my <gasps> gosh! <laughs> <laughs> somebody had fully, somebody had sent in all of their kids' lost teeth. Um, <laughs> She's like, "How do I even arrange this to take?" Correct. <laughs> Didn't want to touch it. Yeah, it was like it was a whole thing. Um, I'll tell you the other thing that's that we've gotten, and it's happened more than once. Because a lot of kid art, um, when you do like, like they play with, in school, they play with like textures and 3D stuff, whatever. And so cotton balls are like a common, right? Glue cotton balls on paper. Okay. Well, if you take cotton balls and you stick it in a dark box and you put it in your garage for 20 years, well, a whole lot of like little bugs are going to make those cotton balls home. So... We have opened up boxes that have literally, and they'll like put the, take the art out and put it on the table. And like suddenly like bugs will scatter everywhere. Nightmare. These are all nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So gross. We had, we had one customer who emailed and she said, I had a flood in my basement. Mm. Uh, my kids art got, got wet. It's now covered in mold. Can oh. I send it to you? And can you see what you can do with it? No, you can't send this. You're <laughs> you're covered in in mold. Your black artwork. mold art. Correct. No. Yes. no you and actually, about an app you can use to take your own. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're joking, but actually, I think that's what she said. She said yeah, she's like we had, we had toxic we had toxic mold in our basement. Can I send the artwork that has the mold on it? So yeah, we've seen everything. Now on the other, on the other end of the spectrum, we have done work. We had a family who, um, who had used us to save all of their kids artwork. Um, and very sadly they lost their house in one of the big fires Mm -hmm. and had literally lost everything and reached out and said, my daughter has like nothing from her childhood, but because we had used you, you guys like is it true that you still have copies of the books that we had made with you can you like reprint the books and so we were able to reprint her art books for her which was amazing because now she has something that like yeah that is that becomes like the sole thing that she has basically that she created as a kid so yeah so we we have all sorts of all sorts of stories but and i think i i digress i apologize but um (laughs) great we, we were talking about so people using our service for other stuff and so now we're looking at how do we launch, how do we launch a service that lets people use the, what we do for anything, mm-hmm. right? And so we're in the process now of launching LifeKive, 
which you can see at lifehive.com. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and whether, you know, any adult, any, doesn't have to be kids stuff, whatever you've got, every, every one of us has those boxes of memorabilia of things from our lives that we've, that we've saved that are just sitting somewhere. And so, you know, let us get that digitally preserved for you. And, um, and do you yeah. return it? Do you return the art and all that? The teeth? What happened with the well, teeth? So, well, okay. So I'm going to turn that around. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you sent your art to us, would you want it back? Maybe not my kids, but I, so I am by, I have, I come from an art, but I'm a, I have a bachelor's in fine art. So I actually have all of my portfolios still. So I'm just thinking, I was like, do I want this art still? Cause I have these huge portfolios or would I send yeah. them and then have them put into a thing. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And what I have, I'm a little bit of a hoarder, so I, it's hard for me to answer that question. <laughs> So, so, so it's, this is a very polarizing topic. So that's why I was wondering why you were going to, where you were going to net out because some people are adamant that it, so the answer is yes. If you want it back, we return it. Okay. okay. Some people are adamant about getting it back. Like, of course I want it back. This is my kid stuff. Like, and it's not even a question. Other people who are also called say like sort of on the Marie Kondo side mm-hmm. are like, Hey, the whole reason I'm using, I'm paying this much money to have you do this for me is to declutter my life yep. and yeah. why on Burn earth it. Don't would, ever would, send I, <laughs> would I have it sent back to me? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, there've been some highly entertaining conversations that happen in the chat uh, feeds of some of our posts with mm-hmm. somebody will ask that question and then somebody else will chime in and be like, what's wrong with you? Why do you want it back? And then, mm-hmm. right. Don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Jed, we have loved having you on here. Can you leave a tip for all of our listeners of what you might give for product business owners that you would advise them on, right? Like what's a, yeah. what's some advice you could give tip. them? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and, and I have the benefit of saying this because it worked out for me, but I would say, hang in there, um, like stick with it runway is so important. Like we, as I mentioned earlier, like we never should have found like, I knew there was success somewhere along the the continuum. I didn't know where it was going to be. And if we had given up earlier, we would have had a failed business instead of where we are today with a hundred employees and keeping people employed through COVID and providing this amazing service to so many families, hundreds of thousands of families. So, um, so I would say, you know, if you're, if you're working on something, if you really believe in it and you it just, you know, despite whatever the naysayers might say, now, obviously like you can't stick with something forever. Like don't, don't go down with the ship, but, um, but we, you know, we sacrifice a lot candidly through those years, um, of, of things not working out because I just absolutely believed in my core as did Jeff that, that this was a business. Um, and so, having the patience and persistence and stubbornness to just stick with your guns um, and believe in yourself is, is so critical because uh, there is success if you can find it in, in most cases. But you evolve the product. I want to say that to everybody. Yes. Like he listened. If you take anything from here, stick with your guns, but listen to your target market and see what they're telling you. Give, give that, get that feedback a- back to reiterate. It's a great, it's a great point. And, and I'll, I'll refine and say, so Jeff and I live by this sort of mantra, which is um, fall in love with results, not ideas. Mm-hmm. So we never like we, I, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I have ideas 37 times a day. We test a lot of stuff, 
but we never let ourselves get caught up in, in believing anything until we actually can prove it out. So, um, so yeah, test, prove, so prove your stuff, keep moving, you know, figure out what works and then, you know, go all in when you, when you find the results. Amazing. So important. Okay. So for all of our parents out there that are like me that have boxes of kids artwork. Yes. And I am one of those customers that did probably download the app and was like, I, again, you know, my clutter, I don't understand the cloud and all the stuff I have. So <laughs> Jeff, for me, really, or Jed, um, Jed, not Jeff, you guys are so similar <laughs> names. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I answer, I answer to both. Yeah. Okay. Good. I answer to Mina. So we're good. Yeah. Um, tell our listeners how they can get their kids artwork sent to archive and how they can support your business and, and buy from your business. And I think you also have a code for our listeners, which is really I sure exciting. Do. So I'll tell you, uh, so first archivebox.com, A-R-T-K-I-V-E box.com. Uh, you make two payments. You make an initial payment to get the process started. The box is $39. We send you a box inside as a return label to send it back to us. If you use promo code, product boss, you're going to get $20 off your $39 payment. So the box is only going to be $19 product boss, all one word in the, in the promo code section, you then make a second payment based on how much artwork you send and how many books you want. There's a pricing slider on our website. So you can kind of estimate what you'll owe, but just always want to be super clear with families. It's not $19 to have us ship you a box, ship it back, do all the work, print you a book, et cetera, which we we have had people who thought that too. Um, so yeah, so two payments, 50% off your first one, promo code product box. Um, and yeah, we'd love, I mean, we'd love to work with you and we'll, we can answer any questions. We're always, I'm super focused on our customers. Um, our customers are basically all parents. I'm a parent. A lot of the, our team are parents. So, um, so yeah, help at archiveapp.com. If you ever want to reach out or have questions, is a great way to reach us. And I'll tell our product bosses, you're all busy making and shipping. So this is something that you can hire out for. You want to talk about an ex-hire? Like this is someone who's going to make your life easier and, mm -hmm. and, you know, get your kids artwork archived. And also all of the other stuff that we have now that we get to go to, it's LifeKive, right? LifeKive, yep. LifeKive, mm -hmm. amazing. I'm yeah. excited. Yes. Thank you so much, Thank Jen. you so much for having me. This, this was so fun. It was, thank you. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive. And we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.
This episode is brought to you by the Shop One in Five Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop One in Five Pledge, and we're inviting you to take the pledge with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most. Because the truth is your purchasing power matters now more than ever. We're inviting you to take the pledge. If you head to shop one in com. the link is in the show notes. And when you get there, please make sure to share the pledge with your friends, your family, and your customers. Let's invite everyone to take the shop one in five pledge so that we can all use our purchasing power to change lives.